I want to take you journey back 2,000 years to the most significant moment in all of human history. There have been some pretty big moments when you plot human history throughout the years in whatever continent and whatever place, but there was one moment in time where everything changed for time and for eternity. I want to read to you from Mark chapter 15. I'm going to read verses 33 to 37, and the words will also be on the screen. They're very familiar words, and they're words in a couple of months' time, I'm sure, will take on added significance and meaning to us when we approach Easter. But I want them to capture something in our hearts today of our heart cry to God. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. And with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. And the gospel writers tell us at that moment it was like a cloud of darkness descended at a time of day where you would expect it to be bright and the sunshine blaring away in the Palestinian sky. But at that moment, this cloud of darkness came right across Jerusalem as Jesus hung there. As he shouted out in fulfillment of one of the prophetic psalms, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the cross was a place where Jesus experienced complete abandonment by his friends. He was beaten by his enemies. He was mocked by the public he'd loved and served. And yet in those final moments of life on earth, as he breathed his last, Mark goes on to record this most significant moment in verse 38. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. It kind of helps that we've got drapes at the back of the stage to help the imagery, maybe of what I want to share with you today, because I want to take that moment, and I want to hopefully help you see what was happening in that moment, historically, what happened there and then, and what was happening prophetically for you and for me today. What on earth does that have to do with us, followers of Jesus in the 21st century? Everything. Absolutely everything. And there are four compelling themes, and I say that because then when I say number four, you know we're nearly over, so it's just to help you really. But four compelling themes that stand out from this moment I think it's so important we grasp them. The first is separation. And in that we're talking about the purpose of the kingdom. So if you don't mind, we'll do a little bit of Old Testament history here to set the scene for that moment that was happening. Because the history of the curtain in the temple in Jesus' day, which was Herod's temple, the third kind of formation of a temple in Jerusalem, actually goes way, way back to the tabernacle, the construction that God gave Moses instructions to build so that as the children of Israel journeyed through the 38, 40 years of the wilderness, 
It was a location at which religious services and ritual and sacrifice took place, which was the centerpiece of the relationship that the children of Israel had with God. And in the tabernacle, Aaron and his children, the tribe of Levi, those selected to be priests, served on behalf of the people and offered sacrifices for the sins of the people. That sacrificial system was crucial because to know you had forgiveness meant you had to have somebody offering sacrifices on your behalf. And part of the instruction was that there would be a curtain that would separate two parts of that tabernacle And this passed on then into the first temple, Solomon's temple, between the holy place and the most holy place. God said to Moses, we read it in Exodus 26, to make a curtain of blue, purple and scarlet yarn and finely twisted linen. Hang the curtain from the clasps and place the Ark of the Covenant of the law behind the curtain. The curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place. Every day of the year, this side of that curtain, the priest would perform daily sacrifices, daily acts of worship. But once a year, and what in the Jewish calendar is known Yom Kippur, we know it in English as the Day of Atonement, around about the middle of October in our Gregorian calendars, the high priest, just once a year, would go the other side of the curtain. And that day, he would offer sacrifices on behalf of the people. It was a symbol of separation that kept man from getting too close to God. It's really important we understand what this means. God was not keeping himself aloof. He was not trying to say that he's just more special than us and somehow I don't want anything to do with you and I want to keep you at an arm's length. God was protecting mankind. Because God had said to Moses on another occasion, no man can see God and live. And at this moment, the completion of what God had planned in his relationship with mankind had not yet taken place. Therefore, he had to protect mankind because seeing God's glory, experiencing God's presence without first having the sacrifice of your sins forever dealt with meant you would die. No man could see God and live. So once a year, a representative of the people went beyond the curtain. The picture you see on the screen is a kind of an artist's impression of what the curtain might have looked like, or given us some size of the scale that the, the, the curtain in Herod's temple, which was the temple of Jesus' day. In fact, it suggested it was 60 feet high, 30 feet wide, and maybe as much as 12 to 18 inches thick. It was made up of 72 squares that were woven and embroidered together in the temple colours. Those colours that God had told Moses about. White, gold, blue, purple and scarlet. There were 82 women who worked constantly all year round to make new fabrics for the curtain, for the veil, new fabrics for the temple. It was incredibly important. And it was this curtain... This curtain that for generations had separated God from man, protected man from experiencing God in a way that would bring the guilt of their sin ultimately to the point of them losing their life. It was this curtain that became the center of attention. As Jesus hung on a cross on Golgotha, just outside the city walls, this curtain became the center of attention 
And that leads us really into thinking about that second huge theme that this is talking about. It's a good old theological, biblical word. It's that word, redemption. And here we see the reality of this. The most important truth here is that God personally tore the curtain. It was an action that God performed as Jesus cried out, it is finished from a cross just outside the walls of the city. God removed the barrier that stood between man and himself because in that moment, everything God had planned since the fall of Adam and Eve was taking place. The reconciliation of man's relationship to God, the bringing together of God and man into one relationship, the unification of God's purpose, tying together the ability for man to have a relationship with God, it was now taking place. And God did something to symbolize this moment. He tore the curtain that had stood for thousands of years, 2,000 years as much as that, as the separation between God and man. God was opening the door to his home and inviting us in. I want to show you a picture of the temple of Jesus' day, an illustration of what that might have looked like. And with my little spot here, just I want to talk to you about through something that's really important. This is what's known as Herod's temple. This is what we believe the construction looked like. Pretty certain of it from plans and designs that would have been passed down through the ages. And there's a number of important truths here, and I, I'll be very disciplined in my time, but it's really important you see it because... There were a series of barriers that stopped people getting close to God. And when you find the talk, Bible talks about the temple, you, you hear it talks about the temple courtyard. It was an area outside the main building of the temple, all the way around the edge, where anybody could go, Jew or Gentile. It was here, it's believed, somewhere in this area that Jesus went and displayed his annoyance at those who were selling sacrificial animals at inflated prices. And he turned over the tables. By the way, he didn't lose his temper because if you read the scriptures, he sat for ages watching what was going on. It was a calculated act to send a message that you don't charge people to get to God. And there, here is a place called the Gate Beautiful. Everybody remember the beautiful gate? Acts chapter 3, when Peter and John go along and find a crippled man there and raise him. But there were steps up here because with every court that progresses through this temple was a series of elevations. This was the lowest point. This is the highest point. But there was a barrier because no Gentile could go beyond that gate. No Gentile could go through the beautiful gate. Why? Because their nationality was a barrier to them. They weren't born Jewish or hadn't become Jewish by faith. So all Gentiles had to stay out of here. And here is the court of women, the women's court. These, these steps here by the Nicanor Gate, it's believed that that's where Jesus would have stood and taught. In fact, we believe that this is where Jesus notices one little lady. She noti he notices that this very rich man comes and he puts his offering in. And he noticed it because all the way around the edge here were what were called the trumpets. And the trumpets were a series of brass uh, vessels that were attached to the walls that you put your offering in so rich people could make a lot of noise with their offering because they'd throw in fistfuls of coins and it would make all kinds of noises but then this little widow comes along with a mite the smallest of currency and she drops it in and it just makes a ping 
And Jesus says she gave more. Not because she gave more in cash terms, but he gave some of what he had. She gave everything. And worship isn't just giving something of what we have. Worship is giving him everything. But here, Jewish women could be here and around the edges here were various chambers, that stuff going on. And this is where Jewish women could go. But there was a barrier because Jewish women couldn't go through that gate to the next level by virtue of their gender. They, they couldn't go beyond that. Only Jewish men could go into this courtyard here. And around the edge was called the court of Israel. And that's where Jewish men could go. It was slightly lower than this upper court, the priest courtyard here. Here's the Israelites court around the edge. And Jewish men could stand around the edges and they could watch the sacrifices taking place. But they could not go up onto the court of priests where those took place. Because their barrier was the, their laity. They weren't born in the tribe of Levi. There was a barrier. They couldn't get closer to God. And then there was the holy place. This tall construction with a steps and a door. And certain priests could go in there. Priests who'd achieved certain ranking in life. They could go into that place. But there was a barrier for most priests by virtue of their superiority. They couldn't go any further. And then there was the curtain. And just as in the Old Testament, only once a year could the high priest go into that place. And that barrier was the barrier of humanity. Man could not step into God's presence. It did strike me, who would want to be a high priest on that day? If there's the possibility you can go in and God won't accept the sacrifice and you could die, who'd want to be a high priest? I mean... You can imagine for weeks and months building up, he was confessing every sin he ever known in those sacrificial things. And oh my goodness me, he say to his wife in the morning, darling, I love you dearly. I'm not sure if I'll be back, but just know I love you dearly. As he stepped beyond the curtain. But God broke down every barrier. He didn't start with the gate. He went right to the very heart of what stood between man and God. And he tore that curtain making it possible for you and I to access him he opened the door of his home and invited us in through the sacrifice of Jesus through what Jesus did it became possible that there need to be no sacrifices ever again in fact the Hebrew writer says that Jesus became the sacrifice once for all he doesn't need to die again it's sufficient that's why he said it is finished telestii in the Aramaic the debt has been fully paid. And so Jesus becomes the way to God. Paul says to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 2, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, have been brought near through the blood of Jesus. God extended an invitation to mankind and waited to see what the response would be. The same invitation you heard, the same invitation on 24th of May, 1975, I heard, I'd heard it many times, but I heard it inside as a little nine-year-old boy. And I accepted that invitation, and I put my trust in Jesus, and I stepped beyond my humanity into a living, personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's just the Lord agreeing, by the way. He's a, I'm with you, Stu. And that moment in time, everything changed because I could now access God and you can access God. But there's something else I, I need you to see. And 
And that's a, the, the third great theme here is about intercession. And it's the fact that Jesus becomes the new curtain. Some of my favourite words in the New Testament come in the book of Hebrews. And in Hebrews chapter 10, we read these words. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water we don't need a temple anymore because we are the temple Paul says to the church in Corinth that we are temples of the Holy Spirit in whom God dwells by his spirit you know the way you get to God is through Jesus and the way you always receive from God is through Jesus. He is now the curtain. He's not an obstruction. He's an introduction. Jesus is not a barrier. He's not an obstruction. He's not a curtain like that curtain before. He's our introduction to the Father. Let me show you what the New Testament tells us. Fire it through some of these verses. John 4 verse 14 verse 6. I am the way the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father, say it with me, except through me. Romans 5 verse 1, therefore since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5 11, not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Romans 5.21 So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead. Are you glad of that today? Giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. How do you get to God? The same way you always have, through Jesus. If you don't know Jesus Christ, if you've never entered into a personal relationship with God, you do it through accepting Jesus Christ. Through acknowledging that what he did for us means that we can access God. Broken, sinful humans, just like you and just like me, we get to connect with God. But maybe you're a follower of Jesus like me and you struggle sometimes. So how do I connect with God? You do it always through Jesus, through his grace and his goodness. We get nothing from God from our best efforts. We don't get anything from God for working harder. We get it all because Jesus has become for us the gift that keeps on flowing. God's gift to our hearts and our lives so that we can access God. How do you know what God looks like? Look at Jesus. Read your Gospels. How do you know how God deals with broken people? Look at Jesus. How do you know how God deals with hurting and wounded people? Look at Jesus. See how he walked and talked with people. See how prostitutes and broken people, injured people, wounded people, demon-possessed people came to Jesus and instantly they felt a change. Why? Because Jesus didn't come to forgive our sins. He came to introduce us to the Father. And so that we could know the Father, he had to provide a way that our sins could be forgiven. Because that was what was standing in the way. And God tore the curtain because you are welcome in his presence. 
can I say it and I point not to be rude, but to, to get you to see today like I need to see today. I am welcome in his presence because of Jesus. God says, I want you close. I want you to draw near to me. All those years that I did it through priests, I now welcome you. With all respect to Stephen and to Dan and to the leaders of the church, you have Jesus. They don't do it for you. The gift of the Spirit in our life, the Spirit of truth, who comes to remind us of what Jesus says. I want you to see that there's not a moment of your life where God's presence is not available to you. Some of the most powerful moments of my life have not even been in church meetings. There have been at moments where I've just cried out to God on my own, and he's there. And that's why Paul teaches the New Testament church that to make this so much easier, God decided to come and live within us by the Spirit. We are temples now in whom God dwells by his spirit. And so we don't need a physical construction that's a temple and all those rituals. Those are things that are helpful. Having a church building and, and musicians and people to speak the word of God, they're all helpful. But you and I are invited closer to God and he made it possible. But there's one more important theme that I want you to grasp this morning and that's the problem of religion because what religion often does is it replaces the curtain that was removed let me explain what I mean Jesus died around about 30 AD mid 30 AD 33 34 AD the Romans still occupied Palestine until 70 AD in 70 AD Josephus the Jewish historian talks about how the the Romans decided they'd had enough now of Palestine and as they left, they destroyed everything. They destroyed the temple. There's not been a Jewish temple on Temple Mount. If you've ever been to Israel, if you've stood on the Mount of Olives, you can see the Temple Mount. There's not been a temple there since 70 AD. But here's the point. They continued to do the religious stuff after Jesus died, after he was raised to life, after he ascended to the Father, they continued to do the religious stuff right until that temple was destroyed. Which suggests one thing to me. When God tore the curtain, somebody either repaired it or replaced it. Imagine the scene with me. It's Passover. It's one of the four great Jewish festivals in the year. It's probably in many ways the most emotive of all the Jewish festivals. Because it remembers a time in Israel's history when they were in captivity in Egypt. And after a series of plagues, as you know, finally a plague comes and they are told that what they must do is take a lamb, a spotless lamb, and they must mark the doorposts and the lintel of their home with that blood of that lamb. And when the angel of death was coming over the nation of Egypt to kill the firstborn son in each household, God says, when I see the blood, I will pass over your house. What an amazing time in Israel's history and Passover remembered that and they're getting ready and it's Friday and it's three o'clock in the afternoon and when the sun goes down Passover begins we're talking about hours here folks minutes almost and as the priests are just inside the holy place and they're getting everything ready and the sacrifices are getting ready out in the court of the priests and everything's building up horror of horrors this scene happens somehow the curtain tears Imagine the fear in men who say, 
I can't even look. This curtain is tearing from top to bottom. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? It's Passover. How can we leave that curtain torn and damaged? Someone replaced it. We know from history that there was spare veils. We know that they were constantly making those fabrics. And somebody in panic had to put that curtain back. And for almost 40 years after, God removed his presence from the temple because his presence was now in the church. People carried on doing ritual. People carried on their processes of worship. In 2 Corinthians 3, Paul writes and tells us that we're not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull. For to this day, Paul says, the veil, same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it removed. Here's my suggestion to you. This is where we've been journeying throughout this last little while. How we can do that. How I've done that over many years in my own life. How we replace the curtain that God removed. How we allow our own self-image or guilt or shame or condemnation or disappointment or failure. Or things that tell us that we're not good enough for God. And we erect those curtains in our lives that keep us distant from God. I want to say to you today, God tore the curtain so that you could be with him. That you could be in his presence. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I'd be pretty confident that there's not a follower of Jesus here today who hasn't sat down at some point and wanted to turn your heart towards God and felt completely unworthy. Unable to do it because you're not good enough. You don't match up to those super saints that you've met in church. I've met a few so-called super saints, folks. When you're in pastoral life for over 30 years, you see beyond the veil of super saints. I've met some Christian leaders, some pretty special apparently, and important Christian leaders. I've seen beyond that, and I found out this, they're just like me. They're as human as I am. They doubt sometimes, is God real? Is this real? Could this all be true? They have their moments of of real self-doubt and wondering, does God love me anymore? Does God approve of me? Because we are so easy at building self-erected curtains that keep us from God. I want you to know today, and Dan's already said it to us, and it's it's, it's very significant for me that we had communion. Because the Bible tells us if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. And so the reality is that we have to be really careful. We don't erect curtains and obstacles. I have a few memories, obviously, growing up in this church, and pretty much all of them are are good memories. But there are some memories of, of people who erected curtains around my life. I made some mistakes. And I can remember a season in my life, a few years before I went to Bible college, where my mistakes became the subject of, of chatter. And people clearly erected curtains, making their decisions about me. I thank God for a pastor who took me under his wing and showed me grace. And showed God's grace for me because I would not have journeyed on into those years where we met and and into what God had for me at such a young age. If I hadn't had to get to a place of understanding that in Christ Jesus, 
I'm covered by his righteousness. We used to sing a song years ago. He is all my righteousness. I stand complete in him and worship him. He is all my righteousness. I stand complete in him and worship him. He is all my righteousness. I stand complete in him and worship Christ the Lord. Worship Christ the Lord. You will not get into heaven because of good things you've done. You get there because of what he has done. If it were down to that, we'd all be lost. If it were down to our best efforts, our righteousness, our actions, our keeping it together, let's be honest, by Tuesday morning, we'd have blown up, wouldn't we? If not, after dinner later. God has called us beyond the curtain. And that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And that's what it means to live even outside. I've so enjoyed, and I'm sure Amanda's being here, and just the sense of God. And it's a thrill for me to see what God's doing in the church. But you know, God calls you beyond the curtain tomorrow. God calls you beyond the curtain when the days are good and the days aren't so good. You can hear that call, I come to you through Jesus. And however you're feeling, the prayer is still the same. Father, I come to you today. Not standing somehow in my best efforts, but I come through what Jesus has done for me. And there's no rank and there's no position when we stand in his presence. I can't flash my Elim credential card or being a pastor or being a Christian leader. No, no, no. We all stand the same height in the presence of God. We're saved by amazing grace. Because in his mercy, God didn't give us what we did deserve. And in his grace, he gave us far more than we could ever deserve. And I wonder what curtains you've erected in your heart and life. What you've put to stand in the way between you and God. I wonder whether your confidence has been built around how best you can live and how hard you can try and how loud you can sing and how much of Leviticus you can read by Wednesday lunchtime. How many church services you can be at. How many people you can tell about Jesus this week. No, they're the fruits of being a disciple. They're not what makes us a disciple. What makes us a disciple is that 2,000 years ago, as God himself hung on a cross, as he declared, it is finished, and took on the powers of hell, and took on the powers of death, and took on the power of sin, that he was able to tear that curtain so that you and I could access his presence. Is that what you want for your life? I kind of find myself at the age now where I'm feeling quite old where I can remember some of those old ditties we used to sing and we're not going to sing one, don't worry, I'm not going to sing to you again. But they, those were the hallmarks really of something of my spiritual education often and when we used to sing within the veil I now do come into the holy place to look upon his face. I see such beauty there. None other can compare. I worship you, my God. Where? Within the veil. I want to say to you today, it is not arrogance or pride to confidently today step beyond the curtain. It's torn. 
It's not arrogance or confidence. Say to the enemy, whatever you want to throw in my ear, whatever you want to throw in my direction, I'm going to step beyond the veil. That's how I've learned to live my life. That's how we've learned to live through whatever we've had to face. We choose to step beyond the veil into the presence of God, to be with him, to be in his presence. I can remember when our Gareth, our middle boy, we gave him them Gareth to reflect my Welsh heritage and mom's side. And, and obviously my wife Amanda is, is Welsh, so that keeps me in order, generally speaking. In fact, I didn't know when I married her 30, nearly 31 years ago. I was marrying a dietitian and a fitness expert as well. But that's proving to be the case. But years ago when our Gareth was little, he was the one that whenever anything happened to him, those little rough and tumble moments in family life, he'd scream his head off. We used to say to Gareth, guys, you need to be really careful because one day you're going to really hurt yourself and you're going to scream, we're not going to know. Well, that day came when he was six. He was trying to get off the way from some kids at a party on a bouncy castle, jumped off, and we didn't know at the time. He, he fractured his lower leg, a spiral fracture his lower leg, and needless to say, he was in hospital that night, and it was agony for me and for Amanda. She was expecting Lydia. She was about three months pregnant and staying at the hospital, and it was just, I, I, I would rather... You do it to me than my kids. And by the way, if you want to get to my kids, you've got to come through me. <laughs> and um, I remember driving back through Birmingham. And on that Friday, I'd prepared a message for the church. And it had a great title. I was preaching from Acts 16 about Paul and Silas in prison. Great title, Praising God in the Dark. What a great title. What we preachers learn now and again is that sometimes we don't just have to preach our messages. We have to live them. And um, I was driving back through the Queensway. The Queensway tunnels in Birmingham, those, those long tunnels. And I was crying because you hurt my kids and it'll make me cry. And um, I, God reminded me of that, that message. And um, those of you who know me over the years know uh, I'm a bit calmer now, but I, I'm a bit of an extrovert at the best of times. But I just began to sing and sing and sing, I had my CD playing then, that's how long ago it was, and sing and sing. And it just reminded me when Tim and the guys and girls were leading us in that, you know, I'm gonna sing in the middle of a storm, louder and louder again. I shouted, and I shouted this at the enemy, you touch my kids and I'll sing louder and longer and louder and longer. Because I've learned this, that whenever something comes against our soul, we have a refuge beyond the curtain. And I know I've used a lot of imagery, and maybe Tim and the, the guys can begin to come back, and I'm going to read a few more verse, a verse to you, and we're going to just connect with the presence of God for a moment or two together, do a particular song. The Hebrew writer says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. I wonder this morning whether you need to choose to draw near. You may be relatively new as a follower of Jesus. We... We rejoice that you're part of the family, but I want you to say, you don't get closer access to God the longer you're a believer. From the moment you surrender to Jesus, you get all of him available to all of you. But we have to step in faith and believe that this is for me and this is for us. Maybe some of you thinking it's okay for you, Stuart, you've been around a while, you know your Bible, you've Seasons, you know all it. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm living through. Well, the same could be in reverse. Who knows? But the reality is this. There's nothing in your life today that stops you accessing your Heavenly Father. In fact, it's the best place to take all that you are. And uh, 
Tim showed me this this song, and I thought this, you know, they were singing it when I came in this morning, and it's so helpful. It says, oh, Lord, you've searched me, you know me. It goes on to say, you tore the veil, you made a way when you said that it is done. And I want to invite you, maybe just in these final moments, before I hand back to, to Stephen, and our time will come to an end quite quickly now. This, this is maybe the most important time because I've finished saying everything I plan to say, for good or for bad, but God hasn't finished yet. God the Holy Spirit who lives within you as a follower of Jesus, maybe is calling from the depths of your heart, and he's maybe saying, come. Remember how Jesus says, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest for your soul. And Jesus gives us that call today to come to him. And that's your choice now. And I'm going to sing along with the guys for a little bit, if you'll indulge me. But just for a moment, so we can connect with the presence of God. Why don't you just close your eyes for a moment as we prepare to do that. And just know today that you have to believe this is true for you as it's true for me. And those doubts and those disappointments and those fears and, and those curtains that we erect in our lives. We still have to live in connection with people and that's not easy. And we can't change that. But what we can say today is when it comes to our connection with God, he tore the curtain. There's no separation in his heart today because we don't come again on the basis of who we are and what we've done. We come because of Jesus and through Jesus. And if you've trusted Jesus today and he's your saviour, he's your friend, he's your Lord, then, then in a spiritual act from your heart, from your will, you can step towards him. As we sing this song, you may want to do that by standing. You may want to stay seated. That's not for me to decide for you. I'm just going to ask you to take a step in your heart towards him.